Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. program actually creates leaders. The entire course is led by students. Students lead their projects, students form teams, students present their projects, students develop their skills together by leading this project. Employers really love the fact that we have given you the experience to develop a project from start to finish, to present that project at various conferences, to analyze results from your workshops and create this well-rounded experience that really is unique to this course. The first part of the semester they build technical skills, the second part of the semester they build professional development skills such as speaking skills, communication skills, just presentation, demo, research posters at conferences, so they improve their own resumes. Welcome to the Grizzly Growl Show, episode 10. Can you believe it? <laughs> They're fired up and so am I. We've got a very unique and special show for you today. We'll play Guess Who at GGC Softball at the end, but first I wanted to tap into our audience for just a moment. The planning and preparation by athletic administration, coaches, and student athletes are already underway for the Grizzlies returning to competition for the spring season. In the meantime, our motivation on the Grizzly Digital Network was to create a show, given our current circumstances, that would inform, enhance, and entertain our audience, you know, until the wins and championships start rolling back into Lawrenceville. So far, your positive feedback has been heard. We expanded our guest list to include individuals who may not qualify for post-game interviews, but still have a huge impact on the outcome of the game. Wonderful people that we've already highlighted, like James Williams, Dr. Darren Wilson, Tom Grayson, and Jorge Vallejo, and today, those stories continue to come in. With all due respect, and with much appreciation to the families of our head coaches, today we wanted to get a huge insight to what it's like to be the spouse of a head coach, and we've asked Barbara Giuliano to do that. I cannot wait to tell you the one-of-a-kind story of the Giulianos. Don't go anywhere. It's coming up next on the Grizzly Digital Network. Greetings from the GGC Tennis Facility. Georgia Gwinnett College acquired this property in 2012, and today, both the men's and women's championship tennis programs call this place home. The cutting-edge complex was revitalized with a complete overhaul to the foundation and court surfaces to achieve premium playing conditions. 
The 16 fully lit courts provide a one-of-a-kind collegiate tennis experience with the ability to host multiple teams and tournaments simultaneously. For more information on a first-class facility, visit our facilities page at ggcathletics.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, inside Studio 5. We have a very special guest for you today. It is Barbara Giuliano. Barbara, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. You carry a lot of titles and responsibilities, but but we'll introduce you to our Grizzly audience as wife of Dr. Coach. <laughs> Did that nickname ever make it back to the household? I, that was one of the luckiest I've ever been with his nickname. No, I love. I absolutely love that nickname because it it, it just describes him. It's got the doctor side of him, got the coach side of him, and so putting it together was absolutely perfect. So, But I... no, we don't call him doctor at home. <laughs> <laughs> and we do not call him coach at home. Fair enough. What yeah. is he? Is he Mike? Is he dad? Is he? Is he? Yeah, Mike. Hey, you. What dad. Is no, Mike. Dad. <laughs> handsome. Yeah, oh, handsome. All of those things. Yeah. I will appreciate that one. First and foremost, amongst the pandemic and everything that's going on, how is the household and everybody back home? You know what? We are very grateful that everybody's doing well. Our kids are scattered around the country, and there's four of them that are now in Atlanta, which is great. But uh, with another son in California and one son that had recently moved here, we're just grateful that everybody is just doing great. Thank you for asking. I got to have a good love story of the Giulianos. How did you meet Mike and and how did it it all start? What was he like back in the day? (laughs) So what you're seeing now, which is someone with a whole lot of energy, a whole lot of uh, zest for life. Well, that's exactly who I met first off. He actually ended up introducing himself to the boyfriend of my best friend in college. And through that introduction, they put us together and we met over dinner one night. I was nervous, but what I loved about Mike was the fact that he was super cute, a great conversationalist, a lot of fun. And that was just the beginning. We started dating that next week and we were married a year later. I think what I really, the story that I want to tell is how much your family has moved throughout his career, all yeah. of them for the positive reasons. Yeah. But at, at what point did, did the, the family's uh, comings and goings and movings along with the kids get tied to all of the jobs that, that he's traveled around the nation doing? Basically, we followed dad and Mike, um, Dr. Coach, around the soccer field. So even when the kids were born, We have pictures of them in strollers being pushed along the sidelines. We'd bundle them up during the the cold weather days. We'd have umbrellas when it was rainy. I've got pictures of little ones that would decide, hey, there's dad, and take off to head across the field to go see dad and have to quick bring them back over. I've got some incredible memories and fun memories of kids being the, the ball boys and ball girls from the time that they were probably six or seven, up until even Jewel, one of our, um, well, adult children, was helping with being a ball girl here. So it's just been part of our family culture, just being on the sidelines, enjoying team dinners, having the players over, mixing with them. It's It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. How many, give me an example of family events that are altered because of the soccer schedule. Like, <laughs> what, uh, when is your anniversary? Uh, preseason camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when do you actually celebrate that? 
we squeeze a dinner during preseason camp, but sometimes we'll do something ahead of time. Definitely won't be doing something after because then we're right into soccer season. So we take it one step at a time. But Mike's been fantastic about carving out time for family. And so he makes it a priority that there is an anniversary dinner. So maybe there'd be a weekend that would be sometime before preseason camp, but it's going to be during during that dinner, I'm sorry, during the anniversary, just because he also wants to say, hey, for our players, take a look. This is what's important. Family's important. Marriage is important. So let's go ahead and model that for them. I do have one great Thanksgiving story, though. Oh, I got to hear this. Okay, so he won. they won the national championship, which is fantastic. So the team at that time decided what they wanted to do to celebrate was, let's bleach his hair. So when he got off the bus... On Thanksgiving Day, he had, he looked like Billy Idol. It was just bleach blonde. But what was kind of fun with that is that we went and got a whole nother set boxes of bleach. And on the front porch, Thanksgiving, we dyed Josh's hair completely blonde. We dyed Justin's hair. And we stuck Lene's pigtails in the bleach and dyed the ends of her pigtails. So it became a family event. It was, it was pretty fun. You mentioned Mike Giuliano's passion and his energy and his excitement level is unprecedented on the sidelines of the Grizzly soccer complex. Does he still carry that same passion at home? Like, I mean, he's always come <laughs> on in and yesing and screaming and hot fire. Like when, when dinner is served, does he still have the same passion and energy? Yes, he does. There's a balance though. So he, he brings a whole lot of life to our home. He brings a lot of energy, a lot of entertainment which is fantastic, a lot of good conversation. Uh, he feels deeply about certain topics, which family, and we're currently on the same page with racial justice issues as well as voter rights issues. And so, yeah, a lot of passion and energy, but home is a great place for him to just chill, debrief, uh, center a bit, be the introvert that he really is, that nobody really knows. But yeah, it's, I think it's a really good place of balance for him, but he does bring a whole lot of energy to the house. Yeah. That's, that's phenomenal here. And you talk about the, the, the conversation at the dinner table there. You guys had moved from Chicago to Atlanta. We'll, we'll right. get to that move in a minute. Okay. But what is that dinner conversation like three years ago when he brings to the table? Things are going well at GAC, but there's this job opportunity at GGC. <laughs> how, how did that conversation go on why to take the job at GGC? A lot of back and forth, just understanding, well, how, how is that going to look? How's it going to um, play out as far as our schedule goes, family dynamics, budget, all of the practical aspects of that, but understanding, too, that going back to college is something that I know is really was really near and dear to his heart. He loves the college setting. He loves he loved his team at the high school. He loved the interaction with the, the young women there and with the coaching staff there. It was it was a fantastic situation. But going back to a college setting and the pace um, is just something that I think just felt right. It really did. And then and being able to be at an institution like GGC really matched up with where both of our hearts are, which is providing education to those that might not normally get it. It, it. It's taking a look at education and providing it in a different way than what's typical. And that's something that we both could definitely get on board about. So take us back to, Mike talks openly about it, why your family moved from Chicago yeah. to Atlanta. For the longest time, 
maybe putting words in his mouth, but chased his career, right? He had those aspirations of winning national championships yeah. and coaching Division One level. Why the transition from Chicago to Atlanta in your in your mind? I would say there's two different parts to that. So the first part is the fact that as we became aware, as I became aware of the plight of women and girls around the world, to start with after reading the book Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristoff and Cheryl Wudun, that narrowed down to the topic of sex trafficking. And I did a lot of reading about situations that are around the world. But realizing that we couldn't just drop everything and, and go somewhere, Yes, some people do that, but practically speaking, that just wasn't going to be part of our life. I started doing a lot more research, a lot more reading about what was really happening in the United States. And as I did that, as I dove deeply into understanding how sex trafficking affects every aspect of, of this um, population from, unfortunately, children, but girls and boys and men and women, in, in so many different areas, and not just in big cities, but in small rural communities, that it touches every area of the country. I just thought there's a lot of work to be done here. So understanding that, I started doing a lot of volunteer work in the Chicago area, did a lot more reading, such as Refuse to Do Nothing by uh, Kimberly McAllen Yim, who was a former student of Mike's in California. In our, our, in our Backyard is another one, Girls Like Us by Rachel Lloyd are just some of the books that I read, and I have quite quite the stack of them. But knowing that that was something that was really gripping my heart and explaining that to Mike, he took that one step further. And he, he said, you know what, you've been following me around the country for three decades now. It's my turn to follow you. And if we can find an opportunity where you can dive into this world to make a difference, then I am behind you. And so that was an incredible moment. And I stepped back from that. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take you away from what I know is your passion and your success in, in working with um, young people and creating these incredible teams. But he took it on himself to start entertaining options, perhaps, that would have a tie to sex trafficking in the same area. And so that's how we ended up in Atlanta. It's yeah. extremely noble what you do and, and the passion that you have for it. Um, you've landed in Atlanta for a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. called Wellsprings Living. Mm -hmm. Describe a little bit of, of your role with that organization okay. and their impact on human trafficking, not just here in Atlanta, but across the nation too as okay. well. Okay, yeah. Wellspring Living is a fantastic organization that was started in 2001. And what I do for them is I'm a logistics program coordinator. That means a whole lot of different things. But some of the some of the things that I do is I make sure that the residences that we have are are safe, are operational, the vehicles that we have as well. And I help to write policies. I help to organize, uh, maybe streamline some of the processes, identify processes that need to be communicated and documented and streamlined. But what Wellspring Living does. Um, we have two community programs in the Atlanta area, one that is operating out of an alternative high school. And the first, the first kid that walked through our doors in, in the campus was a boy. And we provide counseling for them, job services. The whole population of that school is free or reduced lunch. And so there's homelessness in that school. And so we support those kids in any way that we can because 
they're the most vulnerable to being trafficked. We have a women's academy as well that serves women all across Atlanta in 10-week sessions. They can come to get their GED. They can then go to get an apprenticeship. And we have apprenticeships that are in Delta, that are with Accenture, that are with um, predominant law firms, with other organizations around the city that give these girls incredible opportunities to get resume building material. And we work with the GBI, we work with DFACS, we work with a psychiatric provider, with healthcare providers. We have forensics team as well that come in. And so what this is, is a what we could call a one-stop shop where a kid that's trafficked doesn't have to be re-traumatized by then going to another police station or going again for a forensic interview or going to get a sex abuse exam at a hospital. They can come, they can come into our intake facility, they can get a blanket, a stuffed animal, they can stay there while they, while people come to them, professionals come to them to help them. Then they can live there for 30 to 90 days while they're stabilizing, kind of coming to grips with the fact that now they've got a spot where they're safe. Because there's been so much new uh, awareness brought to human trafficking and, and, and sex trafficking, I, I think it's smart to use our opportunity, our platform to ask you, what are some of those symptoms? Because some of them, it may be, it's happening in our communities. I mean, yeah. it's happening in our neighborhoods. As scary as that sounds, Human trafficking isn't a, a, a Liam Neeson, Neeson movie that we see. Exactly. And we're not asking people to arm themselves and kick down doors. Right. There's a way to be vigilant and aware of your surroundings to where the red flag goes up. Like you said, you mentioned the tattoos. Well, that's not normal. Maybe let me ask them questions here. What are some yeah. of the questions you can ask and what are some of the symptoms that people can look out for? So that's a great question. It's multifaceted for sure. Um, I, what I'll do is I, I think I'll explain a little bit and then give some resources for folks so that they can then do a lot of research. I think I'm, I'm going to speak especially to, to parents, you know, to do as much as you can to learn about this topic so that you can recognize signs, but also to the teenagers out there so they can recognize a sign in their friends, the signs in their friends, because you... Unfortunately, kids in high school can be the victims and still live in a lovely suburban life. So if there's kids that are falling asleep in class, no, that doesn't mean if I fell asleep in class just because I stayed up too late, I was too tired. But if, if you see signs of kids that are falling asleep in class a lot, um, if, you see, if you see signs of people coming with a lot of new gear or someone just shows up with a lot of bruises or it's a super hot day and they are covered up, those are just a few things. Yeah, new tattoos, barcodes on the neck. You know, we could start with that. But there's some fantastic resources out there. Um, you know, our, our website, wellspringliving.org, we have resources on that. Street Grace in Atlanta, they also have a lot of good resources. They're dedicated to the prevention and awareness of trafficking, whereas Wellspring Living is dealing with the restorative side. But Million Kids out of Riverside, California, is also doing a great job with educating folks as to what's really going on out there. It doesn't come with being snatched, like you said, as in the movie Taken, but coming across, learning about kids, finding them in these rooms, in online gaming situations, and befriending them over time, over weeks, over months, and then they become a trusted person, someone that a kid's never seen before. 
don't even know what they look like. They become trusted, and so that's another way to, to reel kids in. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show here today. Mike has My four, pleasure. Thank Mike you. Mike has four national championship trophies in his office, but there's a bigger trophy that belongs uh, wherever you want to put it. Um, winning, winning championships on and off the field of the Julianos. We certainly appreciate everything that you do, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Thank you for inviting me, and it's been a pleasure. Can you give us some insight to the spring? Has, has Coach talked about his level of excitement? Is he, is oh, he yeah. ready for the Grizzlies to get back out there? Is he, is he's he so ready. <laughs> he's been ready. He's been ready for months. And so he's excited. He's He loves the team that he's put together, that's come together. He's excited for the players that are going to join them in January. And, yeah, he is itching to get on that field and show off what he's got. Yeah. And so are we. We cannot wait to see the Grizzlies out there. Barbara, again, thank you so much. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more here from Studio 5 on the Grizzly Ground Show. Hey, hey, hey you. Yeah, the one wearing the G-Claw? Just a friendly reminder here. Go Grizzlies. Welcome back to the show. GDC Softball, fresh off the practice field into Studio 5 for this week's competition of Guess Who? We have a very special guest from GDC Softball today, battery mates and wonderful teammates, mm -hmm. pitcher Gracie Hogg and catcher Sydney Plies. Ladies, how are we doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having us, Matt. I'm doing great, Matt. Doing great? <laughs> yes. Are we sure? I mean, that was kind of like, that was like Oh, I'm, I'm great. Okay, you're great. Yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm amazing. Ready amazing. To win. Okay. We're not nervous at all, are we? No. We ready, don't get nervous. Ready to win. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, do you guys know the rules? Sid P, you're giving the guesses. Gracie, this first round, you are going to be trying to answer those clues. All right? Everybody understand? Yes. Everybody ready? Yes. One minute on the clock. This is Team Green. Three, two, one, go. Slopper. Kindle. Um, Canada. Taylor Tenard. Um, transfer. Lose with Kendall. Oh, uh, Cameron Curry. Um, from Tampa, freshman. Uh, Jenna. Another catcher. Not the freshman. Logan. Not the freshman. Claire. Um, the outfielder. Um, where is he? Uh, your pitcher. Alexa. Good. The third bait. Um, that's my bad. <laughs> um, Liz with Kendall. That owns the house. Ruth? <laughs> no, the other one. Curly hair. Like Kindle. No. <laughs> one on the road trip with me. Holly. The other one, the one that you already said, um, brown hair, Liz with Kendall. Ruth. Time. Are you ready? I'm ready. One minute on the clock. On your mark, get set, go. Uh, from McDonough. Madison. Um, our other roommate, uh, green hair. Leah. Uh, another catcher, freshman. Logan. Um, transfer play uh, from Brooke. West Georgia. Yeah. Um, outfielder doesn't speak a lot. But... Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
one of my roommates. I don't really like her. Viper? No, she lives. Her room's right next to me. Oh, sit <laughs> me. <laughs> um, uh, brown hair freshman has braces. Um, Carly. Um, girl from Hawaii. Who's Taylor. that? Taylor. Um, my age other pitcher also plays third Lady. base. Uh, from Germany. Lara. Boom! Who yells boom? Oh, Piper. <laughs> I thought you were done. No. Uh, who also is from Michigan? Uh, Christina. Boom. Now we're done? Yeah. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I was right. trying to say the boom. I knew you would get that one. <laughs> we'll see. All right, we have our second team from uh, GDC Softball. This is uh, Team Gray, Leah McFadden, and Piper Wagner. Ladies, how are you doing today? Good. All right, Piper, you okay with me? Yeah, I'm good. You're going to give the clues first, okay? And Leah's going to guess. We'll put one minute on the clock, and then after that, we'll we'll switch for another minute, and the total score will match it up with with, uh, Sid P and Gracie. Got it. Winner gets an awesome, sweet, cool prize. I mean, you're not even ready for this. It's so awesome. So it's what very, is it? very, you'll find it's very prestigious. You're going to want like to win stuff. this trophy. Okay. Oh, it's a trophy. Yep. We got this. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Piper giving the clues in three, two, one, go. Owns a boat. Kendall Bear. Oh. Uh, pass. <laughs> pass. Piper. <laughs> Freshman. Uh, from Macon. Um, Logan? Yes. Transfer from West Georgia. Brooke? Yes. From Tampa? Sid P. Yes. Pass. From Hawaii? Takush? Yes. Another person from Tampa? Laney? Yes. From Germany? Laura? Yes. <laughs> Rival high school person? You? Yes. Pass. Uh, pass. Pass. I skipped <laughs> a lot. Backwards. Sorry. Uh, a person from my rival high school. From your rival high school? Yes. Never done one Uh, I've known her for Time. ten plus years. All right, round two for Team Gray. Leah McFadden giving the clues. On your mark, get set, go. From Canada. Ta- Taylor Chenard. Yes. Um, Ruth's friend that transferred. Um, tall freshman. Jenna. Yes. Um, tall sophomore with a wiener dog. Wiener dog. Oh, Claire. Yes. Um, pass. From, also from Florida. Carly? Miami. Uh, Lex. Yes. Um, pass. Um, walk on from two years ago. Madison. No. Two years ago. She tried Josie. Out. Yeah. Um, I don't want really to name. Pass. <laughs> uh, lives with the wiener dog. Uh, your grade. Cat, uh, Ruth. Yes. Um, pass. <laughs> um, from McDonough. Madison. Yes. Rival high school. You. Yes. Time. All right, we had to go to the judges scorecard. There was some 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 shady activity on this side. We used pitching in our clue giving a couple times. So we had so we had to deduct some points uh because that was breaking the rules. And then miscard management on this side. It was it was not pretty. 
But we were able to determine we do have a winner, and it's going to have to go to the battery mates of Gracie Hogg and Sid P. Congratulations. Uh-oh, don't, don't leave her hanging. Don't leave her hanging. There we go. There we go. Congratulations. You can take the bear home, take a selfie, and that is uh, your today's winner of GDC softball version of Guess Who. Congratulations. Thank you, Gracie. That'll do it for us here as we uh, wrap up the Grizzly Growl Show. I got a feeling the smack talk's just going to keep going for the rest of the day. We're looking forward to seeing the GGC softballs strive toward a championship next spring. Don't miss any of the fun action right here on the Grizzly Digital Network. As for us here on the Grizzly Digital Network, we so appreciate Barbara Giuliano's willingness to be on the show here today. Fans, if you want to see a special guest on this show, be sure to leave a comment below on our YouTube page. And while you're down there, hit the subscribe button for me too as well. From inside Studio 5 and our Intestin crew, it's a great day to be a Grizzly. So long, everybody. the idea of being a grizzly because a grizzly to me is very strong also have the character of serving uh, others that energy you see at ggc you see it in your colleagues there's opportunity for you know um advancement there's opportunity for innovation there's opportunity to try new things teamwork you know teamwork is huge on this campus whenever any department needs help you know we send out the email, and I tell you, we get not only the people that we ask to help us, but many others willing to help. Everybody is striving to do the very best that they can for each and every student um, here at the college and for the institution in and of itself. We can see the difference that we make. Every time it's you have new challenge, and we have passed a lot of challenges since 2006 to now. Definitely my motivating factor are my students, and not just my students, which is interesting, but all the students here at GGC. My goal is really to make my students lifelong independent learners. I tell them this all the time. So we want students that graduate here, we want them to be able to take on leadership roles in the communities, um, local and global. We want them to be creative in how they approach um, problems and issues that we're facing in the 21st century. We're all working together to the common mission of getting these students ready for you know, the workforce, for jobs, um, for, you know, moving forward the rest of their lives. Well, I've worked with lots of students, and we have a lot of um, learning support students. So they come, they're first-generation students like I am. You don't know what's going on in their life. So I think it's listening to them and understanding where they're coming from, and then you can better serve them. I got a really special job. I get to go every day and look for great teaching and really excited learners. I sometimes see students on their first year and um, I'm 
sometimes around when they, when they graduate, which is really good. But because you get to know their stories a little bit, it's really sad too. I think the closest thing to a college environment is a family. And if you ever thought anything other than giving your best to your family, it doesn't make sense. So when you come to this campus and you're working with our students or working with the faculty or other staff members, you're dealing with your family member. How would you ever give them anything but your best? My name is Dr. Ronak Shariati. I'm going to talk to you today about anxiety, stress, and coping during the current COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we are in uncharted territory that no one has navigated before. As such, it's very normal to have various emotions such as anger, stress, helplessness, loneliness, and depression. But I'm gonna give you some tools today to help you deal with those emotions a little bit better. First off, anxiety and stress feed off of the unknown, off of uncertainty, off of what could go wrong. When we feel stressed or anxious, our mind often thinks about the worst case scenario and all the bad things that could happen. There are certain things that you can do to lower these feelings in yourself. For one, make sure that you get your news from accurate, trusted sources. There are a lot of sources out there that talk about COVID-19 but it's important to pay attention to the sources that provide accurate, detailed, and up-to-date information. When we have more accurate information, we can rest assured that we will know how to best take precautions to limit the chances of contracting the virus. Also, focus on what you can control versus what you cannot. We cannot control the actions and behaviors of other people, but we can control our behavior and our choices. For example, we can choose to practice social distancing, to wear masks in public, and to frequently engage in hand washing to limit the chances of contracting COVID-19. Also, as anxiety feeds off of the unknown, we must be okay with embracing uncertainty and change. Actually, the only thing stable in life is change. If we can learn to be comfortable with those uncontrollable factors, it will help a lot in decreasing the anxiety that we have. There are also more tools and tips that you can use. One is practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude daily helps to cultivate a positive mindset and helps in coping with stress and anxiety. If we switch our focus to more positive things, we are allowing more optimism to come into our life. In fact, practicing gratitude is what distinguishes happy people from unhappy people. Also, it's important to stay close to loved ones and friends. During the pandemic, it's hard to see people physically, but we can still talk to them, text them, and chat online. It's very important to maintain social support as maintaining social connections decreases feelings of loneliness and disconnection. It also gives our life a sense of meaning and purpose. Exercise is also very important. As much as it is important to focus on our emotional well-being, we need to take care of our physical health as well. Exercising three times a week for 20 minutes can have a profound effect on our lives, 
boost positive emotions and change our mindset. Lastly, how you talk to yourself is also very important. You should talk to yourself in the same way that you do to a friend. You should give yourself positive and encouraging words every day to help you have a more confident mindset and achieve your goals. I hope my suggestions have been helpful. Remember, Counseling and Psychological Services is here for all currently enrolled GGC students. We are currently conducting telehealth operations, meaning all sessions are conducted by phone. When you are ready, give us a call at 678-407-5592, and we are there to help you with your concerns. Thank you for taking the time to watch this. We hope to see you soon. Stay safe and take care. If you're interested in small business banking, there's only one name you need to know. There's a lot of things to love about Aslo. They offer a free business checking account with invoicing, bill pay, no minimum balance requirements, and no maintenance or overdraft fees. There's also no waiting to use your account. With Aslo's free instant funding feature, you can deposit up to $1,000 and access it instantly. Love the speed of that. Love the process. And I love no fees. Learn more with a free copy of Aslo's Small Business Starter Guide. Or get started right now and get an Aslo Pro free 14-day trial at aslo.com slash hustle. There's no minimum deposit required. Get started for free at aslo.com slash hustle. That is A-Z-L-O dot com slash hustle. Listeners, friends, community, what's up? Welcome to Side Hustle School. My name is Chris Gillibo, your host. Here we are beginning the month of November, episode 1402. That would be 1,402. I'm so glad you're here. And thank you, longtime listeners. I often get notes from people who've been listening for years now and or even from the very beginning. And, and uh, I'm so grateful for you being part of this community. Uh, I'm also happy to have new folks. Uh, so welcome to new folks as well. Now, every other Monday, uh, we've been doing some different stuff here in 2020. Uh, every other Monday, we look at a specific topic related to starting or growing your project. Okay, so if you'd like to check out any of the archives for this series, head over to the classroom page. That would be sidehustleschool.com slash classroom. And on that page, you can scroll back and take a look or a listen to anything you might have missed or that seems particularly relevant to you. And this is topically focused, uh, a bit different than how we do the two stories a week, the question and answers each week. Uh, I always encourage you to use your time well. So if any of those topics seem basic to you, uh, then just skip them. You know, if you already have a website, you understand WordPress, for example, you might not need that particular episode. Um, now, we still have those stories and case studies coming each week, uh, along with other formats, question and answers, throwback Thursday. I'm actually working on something new uh, for the future, so I'll share that at some point, perhaps, you know, in the future. But today, uh, let's look at the topic of sourcing products using Alibaba, Alibaba or Alibaba Express. I'll talk about the differences there. Uh, and specifically, I'm talking about buying something from overseas most likely an East or Southeast Asian factory, and reselling it in your country. Is there an easy way to get started with this? Like you've heard about this, no doubt, uh, but how do you actually get started? What is the best process? That's what we're going to talk about today, sourcing products using Alibaba. All right, first things first. For anyone who has not heard of Alibaba, well, the Alibaba Group, this is the company, the conglomerate, they control the largest online marketplace in the world. And yes, that includes Amazon. This is bigger than Amazon, believe it or not. Um, Alibaba is a directory of manufacturers and items for sale in bulk. 
uh, predominantly from China. Other countries as well, but it's a Chinese company that runs it, the Alibaba Group. Um, so naturally, that's where they started. That's where they have a lot of listings. Uh, you can peruse the listings. You can contact vendors. You can place orders directly. Uh, you don't need to be a big business uh, or even a business at all to purchase from these sellers. Uh, this really is just um, a direct marketplace. Um, Alibaba provides a number of protections for both buyers and sellers, kind of like eBay, uh, although not quite like eBay, which I'll get into in a moment. Um, and in a lot of cases, they have low minimum order quantities, so you don't have to invest a lot of money up front. Now, there's also this thing called Alibaba Express, which can get confusing. So Alibaba.com, AlibabaExpress.com. Alibaba is B2B only, business to business, even though, as I said, you don't actually have to be registered as a business to make a purchase. Whereas Alibaba Express is B2C, or business to consumer. And that site, the second one, the Express one, uh, tends to have a lot more single item listings. So if you don't want 50 of a particular item, well, you can go to Alibaba Express. Now, there's some overlap between the platforms, but generally the prices will be higher on Alibaba Express. And that's because it's easier and more consumer friendly with even lower minimum order quantities. Um, I'd recommend if you really want to get into this, if you're interested in reselling, you actually focus more on Alibaba. Just be aware that there is a learning curve. Okay, so Alibaba Express is B2C, a little bit easier and more consumer friendly, um, but I think your focus should be more on Alibaba itself. So lots of preamble there. What can you actually buy from these sites? Well, when you visit Alibaba, uh, pretty much anything, that's the short version, but let's go through some detail. Uh, you'll see all sorts of categories. You're going to see consumer electronics, home and garden, fashion and beauty, sports, apparel, and much more. You can find a lot of stuff. Now, for example, on the homepage today, as I was recording this episode, uh, I found all kinds of deals, including women's big booty sand wash jeans for just $13 a pair if you're ordering 50 or more. I also saw I could get 16 tons of cashews for $6,700. 16 tons of cashews, it's a lot of nuts, $6,700, that's also a lot of dollars. So then I kept scrolling. I was like, I don't want the big booty jeans or the cashews right now. Uh, but how about some iron-on patches of Winnie the Pooh? And you can get thousands of these patches for just 40 cents each. Or fresh ginger from Vietnam, 30 cents a kilo. And then last but not least, this is not the last item. This is just the last example I'm going to give you for now. Live sheep from Somalia. That's correct. You can get a live sheep or I guess a, what is it, a flock? I don't know. What, a group of sheep, a lot of sheep from Somalia for $50 each. Now, presumably shipping is not included. I don't quite understand how that works, but this just gives you a broad range. If you think I'm pulling out some unusual examples, uh, well, I did like those items. They are kind of random, but the point is you can find anything. Um, it's actually entertaining, at least it was for me, uh, to go through and just look at the listings. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's all fine and well. I'm going to have fun looking through all the listings, but what should I actually buy? Right? Like if I want to resell, what do I buy to resell? And the thing is, you know, you want to buy something that you think you can sell for more money than it will cost you to buy, ship, and store it, whatever all those costs are. Um, and of course, your time is valuable too. So here's an important tip. With reselling, you want to think not only about the profit margins, but also your actual net profit. Higher priced items are usually going to be better for you. And I'll just give you a couple of examples based on some of these items. You know, you could sell iron-on patches of Winnie the Pooh, maybe for 2 or $3 each. And you're like, well, that's a big profit margin. I only paid $0.40 cents for them, you know, or $0.30 cents or whatever it was. Well, it's a big profit margin, but it's not much actual profit. 
Like, yes, you had a uh, numeric percentage gain, but you're still, you know, making two bucks or whatever it is on each iron-on patch of Winnie the Pooh. Whereas, if you wanted to sell women's big booty jeans for, I just like saying that, sorry, uh, for $40 each, the profit margin is only, I'll put this in quotes, only about 300%, um, but you're making more than $20 on each pair. So much better, right? Even though the profit margin is higher with the iron-on patches, uh, your actual profit is going to be so much more with those jeans. So think about that. Uh, do your research by looking at completed auctions on eBay, as well as any local networks you might sell on. That could be Facebook Marketplace, uh, the app known as OfferUp, Gumtree, Craigslist, something else depending on where you live. Uh, with a bit of time and effort, you know, this kind of research, you can learn a lot. So my suggestion is to choose a few things to start, uh, most likely from the same category or industry. Uh, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, so that's why I say just choose a couple things uh, to get started uh, to experiment with and then go from there. We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsor, bring you a message from them. I really appreciate our sponsors allowing the program to be completely free for our listeners. Uh, when we come back, what to be aware of. Okay, so I said it was like eBay and it sort of is and it sort of isn't. Uh, can you negotiate in prices? What are some best practices? I'll give you a number of tips along with your assignment for the day right after the brief message. The holiday season is here. And holiday shoppers are buying more stuff online than ever before. If you're an online seller, are you struggling to keep up? Get it together with ShipStation, the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. In just a few clicks, you're managing those orders, printing out discounted shipping labels, and getting your products out fast. Right now, our listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code HUSTLE. Make sure your business can meet the demands of this massive online shopping season. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Just click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in hustle. That is shipstation.com, offer code hustle. ShipStation, make ship happen. All right, so what are a few things to be aware of um, if you choose to go down this road? Well, I said it was like eBay, um, and it is sort of. It's like eBay in the sense that there is... Uh, a ton of listings. You can find all kinds of stuff for sale. Uh, there is a process for communicating. There is a process for buying. Um, there are reviews. There are some protections and so on. But it's not quite as simple as buying something from someone who lives in the same city or even the same country. I mean, you are buying from a factory or a vendor or a middleman or somebody who is in China or some other country, mostly in Asia, some others as well. Uh, most buyers are businesses. Um, so even though some minimum order quantities are low, not all are. So just be aware, like it, it can take a long time to get the items that you purchase. I mean, that, that will always be clear in the listing, like how long it will take to get it. But if you have a problem, you're going to have some protections, but it's also going to take time. And, you know, the cost of resolving that conflict may be higher than it would be if it's just buying something on eBay. You know, especially if you're trying to like buy a whole bunch of stuff to resell and it doesn't show up or it shows up and there's a quality issue. As I said, you have some protection, but it's not all-inclusive. Now, next, are prices negotiable? Often, yes. Often, yes. There is a price there, uh, but you are free to contact the, the vendor, that manufacturer, that middleman, uh, and make an offer. Um, I would just be careful with lowballing um, because it's, it's usually better to establish a relationship, uh, especially if you're looking at some kind of long-term thing of, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of stuff, or maybe I'm going to try to be making my own product. It's usually better to establish a relationship and ask for discounts later on, um, especially if you're not spending much money in the first place. Um, so just be fair, but, but yes, it's true that prices can be negotiable. 
Uh, Alibaba also allows you to post a request for quotations. So this is like the opposite of an auction. You know, with an auction, there's a seller who's putting up something for sale. Uh, well, you're posting like, here's what I want. Here's what I'm looking for. And with that, you can, say, you can say what it is you want and you can invite suppliers to reach out to you. So if you don't see what you're looking for, um, you can post it and, and depending on the amount you can purchase and so on, uh, you may get multiple offers. Now, lastly, here's one tip that I learned myself uh, when I was looking online in preparation for this episode. Um, try to look for a supplier that has a warehouse near you. Um, this can help you save on shipping and not deal with customs. So a lot of big manufacturers or those who are you know, kind of all working together in some kind of partnership, uh, they might have a warehouse in the United States or Canada or wherever it is that you live. Um, and this can help you, as I said, save on shipping, first of all, and then not deal with that issue of customs and importing goods, uh, all of which there's a lot of information on the Alibaba website about. But again, it's more complex than just buying something on eBay or from somebody in your same town. So try to look for a supplier that has a warehouse near you. They will often include that information on their profile. All right, for those who are interested, your assignment for the week is to consider buying something for resale. Go to alibaba.com or alibabaexpress.com and identify at least two items that you think you could purchase and then resell for a profit. And I really do challenge some of you to actually go out and do that. Other people are like, that's not, this isn't my focus. You know, I'm, I'm busy with something else. Totally respect that. Uh, you can't do everything. But if you're interested in reselling, this would be a good thing to try. You can read notes for this in every classroom episode this year at sidehustleschool.com slash classroom. Uh, for this one in particular, we're going to link up a number of resource pages uh, since I know a lot of people have questions about it and such. So we'll try to give you a few different resources as a jumping off point to learn more. This has been episode 1402-1402. Thank you so much for joining me for it. I hope you will continue to listen. My name is Chris Gillibo. This is Side Hustle School. From the Onward Project. Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management and mindfulness, a topic that we really haven't explored too much on the show, so I'm really excited to hear about that. I think today is also National Radio Day. So for all of you radio broadcasters out there, uh, congratulations and uh, have a great day. also want to mention a few things that I have upcoming. On August 25th, I'll be doing a live webinar on projectmanagement.com. We'll be talking about uh, empowering people to deliver results. Uh, top of mind for me this year to discuss with everyone. So you can catch that at 11 a.m. Eastern while you're on that site, check out my Purpose Driven PMO webinar from last year. That's got over 7,000 views now and has been pretty well received. 
Also coming up September 10th, ASU, Arizona State University, is having their first annual project management summit. That's from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. here in Arizona. Uh, go out to uh, the PMO Squad website in the community section. You'll see a place to go register for that. And then September 14th through the 26th is the PMO Impact Summit, hosted by former guest Laura Bernard. Registration is free for that, and there's over 80 leaders from around the world. So that is a can't-miss opportunity. Head over to PMOImpactSummit.com and register for that. Of course, I want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad, home of the purpose-driven PMO. Visit thepmosquad.com and learn how they can support your project management team and help you get your PMO on the right track. Super excited today to have our guest, John McCaskill, join us. Thanks for joining us, John. If you could take a moment, please uh, share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me. First of all, uh, I appreciate it. And uh, like I was mentioning just before the show, hopefully the background noise is is not too bad because I am literally pulled off of the side of the road in Laramie, Wyoming in my RV. Uh, my family and I are, are traveling the country right now as I just retired from the Navy at the beginning of this month. Uh, I've been in the Navy since uh, 1996 and 17 of those years I, I served as a, as a Navy SEAL uh, just retired, like I mentioned, as a as a Navy SEAL commander, and now I am uh, working with a nonprofit called Veterans Path, teaching mindfulness and meditation to veterans, and uh, and I've also got a, a side gig that I think we'll discuss. Uh, it's called Scrum on the Go. It's just a, a little project management um, tool that I've helped to create with some friends, John Davis, Beth Davis, and Saul Gomez, all of whom are scrum and project management folks. So that's a little bit about me, uh, my family. I've got a little three-year-old girl and a one-year-old little boy. They are actually in a different vehicle, luckily, right now. <laughs> and uh, and then I've got my dog sitting right here. But for those uh, who are not watching and just listening, both Joe and I have uh, red polo shirts on. So it's like we coordinated this. <laughs> yes, it's, it's red shirt day. So. Well, yeah. th thanks for joining us, John. And obviously, thank you for your service as well. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you. As uh, hopefully you know and our listeners know, uh, we're proud supporters of veterans and, and organizations here and our uh, nonprofit organization, VPMMA, helping those service members and military spouses transition into civilian project management career. So if nice. anybody yes. is interested in that, you can check out thevpmma.org and uh, we'd love your support. So, um, Let's jump into you talked about. You're on the road. What's so? What's life like post retirement? <laughs> you're you're in an RV. You're traveling around. I mean, is this what uh, yeah. all retired Navy SEAL commanders do? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, this is uh, definitely uh, not what everyone does. It's a rarity. I, I do have a few friends who are doing it simultaneously. Funny enough, but we're not all retired. Some guys uh, are just doing it in their spare time. Um, and others are, are doing it as they're retired. But but uh, yeah, so my wife and I have been planning this for a couple of years now. And the plan uh, was, and the reason I say plan like that, you'll hear it here in a second. <laughs> but the plan, as all project management professionals understand, it never goes as it was planned. Um, so we, we plan to do it for six to 12 months on the road. And uh, seeing all parts of the country. And we've been on the road since the beginning of July. We've been living in the RV since the beginning of May. And 
Obviously, COVID has thrown a kink in all sorts of plans countrywide, worldwide. Well, this is not an exception. It's thrown a kink in this plan. And uh, some of the places that we wanted to go see were closed down. Uh, some of the places we wanted to drive through were uh, we weren't allowed to drive through. Um, and then my wife and I thought, well, if one of us were to get COVID right now, then we would have to kind of self-quarantine somewhere in the RV. Yeah, good luck with <laughs> and, that, right? uh, and, and Yeah, exactly. And then the other one would be responsible for taking care of the kids and, and the one that was down. So we've decided to head back to Colorado. That's where I'm heading back to right now uh, through Wyoming and call Colorado Springs home for a while. And then hopefully the COVID pandemic will calm down in the coming months or coming years. And we'll just reset and do this, uh, try to do this again in the, in the future. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been an experience uh, living in a, um, in a 31 foot class C motorhome with a three-year-old, the one-year-old, my wife, and then this dog that's over here being very rambunctious right now. <laughs> It requires a lot of mindfulness. I will tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I would it's, imagine it's good that I have that tool. I would imagine lots of uh, good stories from the road, and and your wife uh, also served, I think, in the Navy. Correct? She did. And, she did. Uh, we as uh, she was she is an orthopedic physician assistant, uh, and did that in the Navy. And we actually met at SEAL Team Ten, um, where <laughs> uh, now that I'm out of the Navy, I can say this, but she worked for me. Uh, and then we had uh, we had a an Afghanistan romance, if you will. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and uh, you had posted on social media maybe a couple of weeks back. It was uh, that her medical training came into play right on the road. What what happened sure there? Sure did. Sure did. Uh, we were in Telluride, and my one year old little boy was uh, choking on some apples and little bites of apples. And it wasn't choking to where you could hear him choking. It was choking where there was nothing coming out. So it was a dangerous situation. And luckily, my wife, uh, she's a superstar, superwoman, uh, responded instantly, picked him up, put him on her arm and started giving him the baby Heimlich or infant Heimlich maneuver. And he spit up and he was fine. But she she acted like it was nothing, and it was, I swear it, it was a superwoman in action right before my eyes, and she saved my little boy uh, because um, I had learned that many years ago the baby the infant Heimlich maneuver in my CPR classes, but it's been a long time since I've seen it and practicing it on one of the dolls versus doing it in real life to my own son. I didn't respond as as well or as quickly as she did, so I was very thankful for uh, for her being there. Uh, so yeah, she's uh, well trained in the in the medical field and uh, and just an amazing mom and uh, just person in general. So I I am blessed to, yeah. to have her. Well, it's amazing how instincts take over, right? And uh, yeah, obviously through your tra- that's why you guys train the way you do, right? So that when you're confronted with a situation, you don't think about it; you just instinctively do it. And, Right, uh, obviously, right. fantastic for your uh, wife to step up and uh, take care of the family like that. Indeed, indeed, yeah. So you've mentioned mindfulness. You know, I'm going to be the ignorant one here. I hear the word frequently. I probably get it, but I I don't really know what it means. Right? Can you explain it to me better? Sure. So I try to understand this. Yeah, yeah. There's. There's formal definitions, um, and I hope this sound in the background is not too distracting uh, as I'm on the side of the road. But we don't even hear um, it. 
Good, good. There's formal definitions for mindfulness. Uh, really, it's being present in the here and now, not worrying about the past or being too concerned about the future. Being present in the here and now without any judgment. That's one of the kind of formal definitions. But really, the way that I like to put it is it's just situational awareness. I mean, that's what we practice in the SEAL teams. You're aware of the situation. Uh, you're aware of the here and now, the present moment. And that's that's kind of a, a layman's term or layman's definition, rather, of the term mindfulness. It, it's definitely getting more use these days, probably overused. Um, a lot of people use mindfulness and meditation synonymously, and they are not necessarily the same. There is overlap between the two. Um, but they aren't the same. And I, you know, I can get into that further in the conversation, but there is great benefit in practicing both of them, uh, both physically and mentally. And, and quite honestly, spiritually, I think there's great practice or benefit in practicing the, the two of them. So I'll, I'll tell you real quick, Joe, how I got into it. And then we can get into some further questions. But yeah. in the in the SEAL teams, the first deployment that I went on, we had a pretty bad run of it, and the book Lone Survivor was actually the, the first deployment that I was on. So Lone Survivor, Marcus Luttrell, we ended up having uh, three of the guys uh, that we inserted on a, um, a special reconnaissance mission killed in a firefight. And then the quick reaction force that came in for that crew uh, was shot down in a helicopter for a total loss of, of 19 people. Um, 11 Navy SEALs and, and eight Army Night Stalkers. Uh, so shout out to the Army. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Army and the Navy and all, all services. But, um, you know, those, those were the two services specifically in that operation where we had loss of life. And I was, uh, I was friends with all those guys. I knew some of their families. And there was a, a chance that I was supposed to be on that operation. And I was pulled off uh, kind of towards the end there. Because I lost those friends and there was my survival, I ended up really questioning why I was still alive. Why me? Why not being still alive? Or why did they die and not me? So I battled with survivor guilt through my time in the Navy uh, after that operation for quite some time. And that caused depression and caused anxiety and stress. And I had uh, the Navy give me different medications to deal with that. I had them give me different types of talk counseling to help with that. And they both helped. The medication and the talk counseling helped to a point. The medication, however, kind of made me feel a little bit numb. And the talk counseling, I wasn't able to truly address the root issues, the root causes of what I was dealing with, because I wasn't truly in touch with what I was experiencing. And finally, I got, I had a counselor recommend mindfulness and meditation to me. And uh, I tried it out. And in all honesty, I tried it out for the first two weeks and went back to them after that two weeks and told them, Hey, look, this is not working for me. What else do you have? And, uh, and then he kind of laughed at me and said, Hey, look, that's like going to the gym and expecting that you're going to come back looking like a bodybuilder after two weeks. Yeah. And it doesn't work that fast. Right. You do get some immediate results, but the long term results uh, don't, don't show up for a while. So I was practiced for two months and then I started to see the results. And the, the biggest thing was I started to realize what it was that was causing me the anxiety, what it was that was causing me the stress and depression. And then I could take that 
and speak very frankly to the counselors that I was seeing. So it was kind of the meditation and the counseling going hand in hand. And I want to make sure everybody heard that correctly because quite often people hear medication. It was a meditation with a T, not medication with a C uh, that that helped me out uh, more than anything. And it was about the same time that I was starting to think about retirement, that this was going on. And I had a mentor of mine mention to me that I need to figure out what I was going to do after I retire. And I started to look at um, some of the bright and shiny objects that are out there for military officers as they retire. And none of the, none of the professions really jumped out at me as something that I was passionate about. I, I like project management. I am not a PMP. I will be completely upfront about that. But I, I like thinking about projects, what goes into getting it, it from the start to actually getting something built or done or accomplished. Um, so that was something that appealed to me. And then, and then uh, I wanted to carry this project, or uh, sorry, I wanted to carry this mindfulness forward as well and, and pay it forward to other veterans. So I was thinking, well, I'm going to combine my project management and my mindfulness, and I'm going to create a nonprofit that teaches this. Well, luckily, I didn't have to create it from scratch because Veterans Path, the nonprofit that uh, I work for now, existed. And they brought me on as their deputy executive director. They actually brought me on through uh, the SkillBridge program that we were talking about before the show um, prior to my retirement. So uh, I've had several months of, of experience prior to getting out of the Navy. And now day one of getting out, I had a job. So that's been been very nice uh to to know that with a with the family i was going to be able to continue to take care of them financially right after getting out that's fantastic and 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 thanks obviously for the backstory on that because when we when i first started following you on linkedin and seeing your posts i i kept thinking to myself how does a navy seal and mindfulness come together right because there's this image we have uh, out in the civilian workforce, right? You, you guys are the best of the best. You're these, you're everything that's on the movies, right? It's, you're not real because nobody knows you guys where, you know, you're, you're these people we never see here or whatever. <laughs> and then we, right. we see movies, right? The Lone Survivor and, and Chris Kyle story and all those sorts of things. Right. Right. So you guys are these just heroes in our eyes. So why would someone like you need mindfulness? And then as you describe it, it's so obvious why you would need mindfulness right? and how right. that could benefit. And then it makes me think of me or you, we're just dads, right? And, and at times we're thinking we're supposed to be stoic and uh, commanders of our family and leaders. And boy, we could all use mindfulness in our own lives, just being men, right? And just being uh, part yeah. of a, a dad in our family. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a discussion with a a gentleman yesterday about what Veterans Path, our nonprofit, does uh, for for men specifically. Um, We do we do uh, retreats and we do mindfulness and veteran training for both men and women. But uh, this one gentleman asked me what what we do for men specifically, and and he said, "I think it's redefining what is masculine." And I, I think there is there's some truth to that, but I also I, I flipped it on him. I said, "Well, I don't want to I don't want to redefine what is masculine because there are certain things that are going to forever be masculine." And I think what we are doing is rather opening up 
mindfulness and meditation to those who are masculine. We aren't redefining masculinity. Right. So yeah, as, as a, as a mindfulness practitioner, as a mindfulness teacher, a lot of the time the stereotype or the image that pops into somebody's head is kind of a hippie or a monk. And, uh, you know, we don't have anything against right. either one of those. I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I, I'm friends with hippies and monks and I <laughs> am, I'm a huge fan of both of them, but I don't fit that stereotype and I'm, I am neither one of them. And I want to bring meditation and mindfulness to a population that normally wouldn't be open to it. And I know that with my background, I can do that. So it, it definitely, it lends to, uh, to credibility amongst a more machismo crew, if, sure. uh, if you will, um, when, when I tell them my backstory and then, then I tell them, and now I'm a mindfulness teacher. So yeah, it's, I, I, I'm totally tracking with you about the, uh, the different views of, of Navy SEALs and I'm not taking the traditional track for sure. But there, funny enough, there are several, uh, Mark Devine, is another seal who practices mindfulness and meditation and he's got his own books written about it. So I'm, I am certainly not the first and I'm sure, uh, or I rather hope that I will not be the last. Well, I'm sure you're not because you're carrying on that message so well, but with veterans path, your podcast, uh, your social media activity and, and just your life practice. Right. So I, I doubt you'll be last and, and you're creating <laughs> a great example for, for others to follow in your footsteps. Um, thank you. One thing you had also mentioned was the difference between mindfulness and meditation. What, what is yes. that difference, right? What is, uh, you know, yeah. how do you describe that for us, uh, layman folks out here? Sure. The, the way I try to describe it is, um, if you know what a Venn diagram is, mm -hmm. uh, I've got, you know, two circles, three circles, then you kind of overlap. Well, this one, this Venn diagram, if you can imagine in your mind, mindfulness being in one and meditation being another and there being a little bit of overlap between the two of them meditation is where you're very intentional about setting aside some time to practice some form of meditation whether it is mindfulness meditation or whether it's transcendental meditation whether it's yoga nidra there's there's many different types of meditation i specifically focus on mindful mindfulness meditation and that's kind of the overlap so i defined mindfulness earlier in the show now I've defined meditation where you specifically set aside some time to do that. The overlap between the two, that's mindfulness meditation. That's where you set aside some time very specifically to be mindful about what it is you're doing, about your experience, about your life. Um, so you may set aside two minutes. You may set aside 30 minutes to focus on your breath, focus on physical sensations that you're experiencing in the here and now. It might be sounds it might be smells maybe taste you can even meditate with your eyes open and take in the the sights that you're seeing that that is meditation um <laughs> sorry my dog off to the side is really putting on a show you can't see it but she's putting on a heck of a show for me <laughs> hey she's um, being quiet but it, so that's great yeah she is she's a quiet dog she's just full of energy um but anyway uh, i'm trying to be mindful about being focused on the show so that's uh, that's the overlap between the two. Going back to mindfulness, I mentioned it's being present in the here and now and focusing on the here and now and not so much about the past or about the future. Um, 
you can be mindful in just about anything you do. I'm trying to be mindful in being here with you on the show right now, focusing on what on the questions that you're asking me, focusing on what I'm talking about. Um, when you're talking to me, I'm not trying to formulate a response in my mind. I'm just listening to what it is you're asking. That's being mindful. You can eat mindfully, whereas most of us every day, when we're rushing from one meeting to the next, we scarf down a cheeseburger in between meetings. And if somebody asks us at the end of the day, what did you eat for lunch? Most of us have trouble even remembering that we stopped for lunch mm -hmm. if we did stop. And then if you try to think about what you had, most of us can't even remember because we're so fast paced. Our life has become so fast paced that we're not being mindful about the things we're doing. And it extends about not being mindful in eating. You're not mindful in your relationships. You're not mindful in your conversations. A lot of the time, somebody will be talking to you and you're thinking about what's for dinner. You're thinking about your to-do list. You're thinking about COVID-19 and how it's affecting the country and finances and health and safety. You know, the, the list is endless about what else is on our minds. But rarely are you 100% devoted to the conversation that you're having because we don't know how to, we don't know how to be mindful. That's the difference between mindfulness and meditation. They do go hand in hand, but they aren't synonymous. So when somebody says, are you practicing mindfulness? They don't mean, are you sitting down to meditate? Um, and then when they say, are you practicing meditation? They don't necessarily mean, are you practicing mindfulness? So they're, they're similar, but they're not one and the same. Yeah. And I, as you're speaking, right, I'm thinking, man, my good thing, my wife, Alyssa is not listening to the show today. Uh, she'd be like, see, uh, somebody else is telling you the same thing, right? I mean, we could be, you know, sitting in the, the living room and uh, I'm on my phone, I'm playing a game or something and we're having a conversation or at least she's having a conversation and I'm not practicing mindfulness, right? I'm responding to her questions. But if you asked me two minutes later what we talked about, I would have no idea right? because right. I'm distracted and, and really not being mindful. Um, so uh, we may not put this one, this podcast out for production because uh, <laughs> Alyssa is going to let me have it. Uh, but boy, you're, it's so spot on, right? It, it, we we deal with this every day. And of course, this is a project management radio show. And I, uh, we do the same thing running projects, right? We get so right. caught up in the noise of the project that so often we aren't mindful of the actual situations in front of us, right? Right, um, right. And I think there's Absolutely. a lot to be learned from what you're talking here and how we can benefit. And that's why I wanted you to have, come on as well, because it's project management, as we find, is more people skills than it is the technical skills of executing the project. And the better we can get at the people side of it, the easier the technical will be. Um, so having uh, having you on to share this has been really beneficial. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I definitely think that the, the two though they don't sound like they go hand in hand, being mindful as a project manager, I think does. I've actually, when I was living in Virginia and I was still on active duty, I went and spoke to the local PMI chapter uh, because I do believe, again, though they seem not related, they are. That You have to be mindful and pay attention to what is happening in every step of the project that you're, that you're trying to work through so that you can ultimately get to the end goal without getting distracted, uh, without getting anxious, without getting worried, you can still get through that project. And I think that's critical. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's others. Simon Sinek, right? He 
he uh, yeah. kind of hit it big because a, a recording of a talk he did at a PMI chapter, a Puget Sound PMI chapter, went viral, right? I mean, it was the start yeah, of... Yeah, start with why. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, you never know what happens when you do those PMI chats, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you've mentioned Veterans Path. Tell us more about that organization and um, why it's so important and, and what they're doing to help veterans. Sure. So Veterans Path was actually founded in 2008 by two women, Lee Lester and Chris Fortin, out in Berkeley, California. And it was originally called Honoring the Path of the Warrior uh, and then got rebranded as Veterans Path later. But Lee and Chris, they were anti-war. At one point, Lee actually marched against the Vietnam War. Many years later, uh, when guys and gals were going to um, Iraq and Afghanistan, they were coming back with post-traumatic stress. They were coming back with military sexual trauma effects. They were coming back with some, some loads that they were carrying. Lee and Chris realized that being anti-war doesn't necessarily mean being anti-military. And they realized that they could help veterans in dealing with these demons that they were uh, having. Uh, so they started small. They started teaching mindfulness meditation to small retreats, and that slowly grew into a, a bigger thing where they were doing week-long retreats, and eventually they started doing month-long uh, or several month-long retreats um, where you come in, do a, do a week um, in person, then you are online for a few months, and then you come back for another uh, check-in at the end. And people that were going through these programs were having profound effects. They were really starting to go from being depressed or almost stressed to the point of debilitation to being really high-performing individuals, really ha much happier, finding the, a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's actually where the word path in Veterans Path comes from, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's what veterans were able to find through mindfulness and meditation. And what Veterans Path does is they, they teach that to the veterans, typically in outdoor settings so that they can kind of get their minds cleared. And then they also connect those veterans to develop a sense of community because that's so important. As you're getting out of the military, you've been a part of this community for four years, 10 years, however long you've been in. And that's the sense that you feel a camaraderie that the people you feel a camaraderie with. And then you leave. And Veterans Path helps you connect veterans with other veterans uh, to, to develop that sense of community. What we do now, uh, we've been doing those retreats that I mentioned, uh, but COVID uh, has also thrown a wrench in those plans. And we've started to go to online. So, Joe, I think you probably see me posting in the past few weeks about online meditation and mindfulness training specifically for veterans and currently serving military members. We've started that with a partner, eMindful. eMindful is a platform where uh, it's, it's a meditation platform, meditation app, much like the, the other ones out there, but they offer both recorded, pre-recorded stuff and live teachers. And the benefit of having the live, I mean, live virtual, like over Zoom uh, or Cisco, uh, WebEx, having a person there on the other end is at the end of the mindfulness session, you can ask questions and, and really delve a little bit deeper than just doing the meditation that's been pre-recorded. 
they do offer those as well, but uh, we, we've gone with uh, the teachers for, for our online stuff. So that's, uh, that's what we have with Veterans Path now until uh, COVID starts to, again, kind of uh, lessen its effects on society and we were able to do more face-to-face. Uh, we'll go, go back to those face-to-face and outdoor kind of wilderness retreats. Yeah, I love the community aspect of that. I, um, you know, I did, I guess it was last year, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon uh, supporting Team Red, White, and Blue, right? Because it's the nice. same concept, right? It's the community of bringing veterans together for physical activity uh, to help give them a break uh, from some of right. those traumas that may be holding them back from having a breakthrough. So to hear right. a veterans right. path, same thing. I mean, that's awesome. Right? I love that. I've run, I've run that Marine Corps marathon and, uh, that last point two up the hill <laughs> towards the Iwo Jima, uh, monument is brutal. Uh, it, it's really heartbreaking you, <laughs> when you see that at the end, but hey, good job. And, and team red, white, and blue, I'm a huge fan of, as a matter of fact, one of the, uh, ambassadors for team red, white, and blue, Janelle McCauley, she's a air force, a former air force Lieutenant Colonel also a big mindfulness practitioner. She works with Veterans Path as well. Um, so lots of overlap in the uh, in the different organizations. Absolutely. Yeah, that, uh, I'm sure you did better on that marathon than I did. I about, uh, <laughs> I guess it was mile eight, my knee just gave out on me, right? So you, you don't quit, right? When you run a marathon, you run the marathon. Yeah, uh, right. But, but knowing the last point two is going to be so tough, I actually walked from 25 to 26. So I'd have enough steam to make sure I could run the, the, the last point two. That's a tough point two. It is a tough point two. <laughs> yes. Every, everyone forgets the point two, except the people running. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, we're on a podcast radio show. This is kind of fun. I love this. It gives us an opportunity to meet amazing leaders like yourself. Uh, but this isn't unique for you, right? You have your own podcast as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's connected to Veterans Path, um, and it's it's entitled Veterans Path. Uh, we bring on veterans who have discovered mindfulness. We also bring on uh, very high-performing athletes, very high-performing corporate leaders who practice mindfulness or have some connection to mental health. And the goal behind the Veterans Path podcast, well, there's several, but uh, one of them is obviously to raise awareness of Veterans Path and what it is we do. But the other one is to break the stigma of seeking mental health support. Because in in the military, we're all given huge pats on the back when we're going to the gym. If, if somebody knows somebody else is going to the gym, they're like, hey, add a boy, add a girl, way to, go, way, way to get after it, way to keep yourself in good shape. But if somebody finds out you're going to go see, see a counselor or a psychologist, people instantly assume that something is wrong or that you're crazy. And that's a terrible stigma to have when what we should be doing is celebrating that person by, hey, great job, way to maintain your, your mental health, way to look towards improving your mental health. Because if that's what we can do, if we can change the narrative on people seeking mental health to where it's a good thing, to where it's seen in a positive light, more people will do it. And once people seek that mental health support more often, that's the foundation that everything else is built upon. You can, once you're 
mentally healthy, you're going to go to the gym and get into physical in, into good physical shape. You're right. going to eat better. You're going to communicate better in your family and your family health, your family mental health will improve. And I think that's so important with, uh, with veterans, with the challenges, the unique challenges that we have. When I say veterans, I mean both those who have hung up the uniform and those who are still currently serving. The unique challenges that we have with deploying away from our families into combat zones, into the face of danger, that weighs on the families as well. Sure. So if we can get the mental health of the service member or the veteran improved, ideally we can improve the mental health and the communication the relationship relationships of the family as well. So there's uh there's many layers to it, but that's that's kind of the idea behind Veterans Path. We've had some phenomenal guests on there, some some really famous mindfulness teachers and uh, and and meditation teachers. We've had some uh, gold medalists. We've had NFL players. So we've had we've had quite a selection of, of folks on there, and it's it's a kind of a passion project of mine, the, the podcast. So thank you for bringing that up and Absolutely. allowing me to share that. Is, is it um, live now? Or are you you're kind of in a hiatus? What's the status of that? And, <laughs> And is it on yeah. all, you know, Apple Podcasts? Is it on all the different platforms? It's, uh, it uh, is. It is on Apple and Spotify, and uh, you know, all the different major podcast platforms. It is. I am taking a hiatus between season one and season two. the The goal behind season two was to actually interview veterans live as I was traveling around the country. Uh-huh. Uh, but as we've kind of changed this whole RV trip, we're we're going to change back to what what I was doing before, where I. I interview uh, folks via Zoom, much like you are interviewing me, and then put that up uh, on on the podcast. And we it is it is both a video and audio podcast. About halfway through season one, I figured out how to do video, uh, <laughs> and and so it's on YouTube as well under under Veterans Path. Well, it sounds like us. We just figured out the video a few episodes back as well. So yeah, it's it's great to have a face, right? Not just the voice. Yeah, yeah, the the face, the the. Uh, body language you, you get so much more by watching the conversation it's it's funny when you think about it that you're watching a conversation between two people but really when you see it and you see the like the body language and the the smiles the laughs it's a lot more than just the audio obviously the the audio side is great if you're driving you don't want to be watching the video side right yeah. but uh, I, I think there's just so much more in, in the video side of things you know, one thing uh, you mentioned I wanted to touch on also is you had talked about veterans and active duty. Uh, my oldest son is a senior in high school, and he's planning to go into the Navy next year. So it's in the recruiting process as well, right? So he was seeking a counselor or seeing a counselor, and part of it is to help prepare him to make sure he's mentally ready to go in and participate in the military. And during the recruiting process, right, they want those records, and they want to make sure that he's a stable individual. And, right. uh, you know, part of my concern was he's actually doing this to become more stable, right, As, right. A, and be a better recruit. And will that be seen as a negative, kind of like you said, right? If he was, he's going to the gym and he's working out and he's getting his ASVABs ready and that's all pat on the back attaboy. But the, yeah. but the the visual you talked about, the face on the recruiter, right? His look changed when we said, well, he's, he is going to counseling. Yeah. And how do yeah, we get that more accepted, right? I mean, how, do, how does this right. become mainstream and approved within society? Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of the mission here uh, is, 
is not only my my podcast and not only Veterans Path, but my getting on other podcasts like yours is spreading this message uh, across uh, the the across society, really, not just the military, but but across society that that it is okay, and not only is it okay, but it should be encouraged to to seek that mental health support. The Navy, funny you should mention, they have a program at boot camp called the the Warrior Toughness Program. And uh, it was created by, and when I tell you this, it sounds kind of like a, a joke, but it was created by a, a Navy SEAL, a Navy chaplain, and a Navy psychologist. So the joke with this one Navy SEAL who actually came on Veterans Path podcast a while back um, is a Navy SEAL, a chaplain, and a psychologist all walk into a bar. What, what comes out of it? Well, what yeah. comes out of it is the Navy toughness program. Uh, so Navy, uh, you know, when your son joins the Navy, he'll be going through the warrior toughness program because it is something that includes mindfulness and meditation. The reason I brought it up, um, they, they actually teach that now at Navy Boot Camp because, um, a couple of years back we had several, uh, Navy ships collide. We had Navy ships running the ground. And when that was happening, there were some sailors who were catatonic. They, they were not responding to this, this trauma and the, idea is that bringing mindfulness and meditation into the warrior toughness program will actually help them to respond more rationally in a traumatic event than for them to go catatonic. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, And it's great to see, I guess, maybe a modernization of the forces, maybe as a way to look at that, right? And bringing situational awareness, mindfulness into their training program as well. So that's awesome. As a dad, right? right? That's comforting right. to hear, right? Because you're always uh, concerned when your your son's going to go off and join the service. Sure. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine uh, I, now that I've got my three-year-old little girl and a one-year-old little boy. My mom always tells me that she still sees me as the little as a little boy. Uh, and in my mind now, I imagining my daughter joining the services or my son joining the services. I'm like, in my mind, you're always going to be a little boy, a little girl, and. Uh, I can only imagine the uh, the feelings and emotions that you as a as a parent experience. So mindfulness meditation may be helpful with that aspect as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My wife and I at the recruiting station, I think we're in two different mindsets, right? I was the proud dad and my wife was the concerned parent, right? So it was... Uh, sure. Uh, but, you know, hey, that's... Uh, we need people like yourself and my son that are going to ser- serve our country and keep us safe. So indeed, uh, hats off to both of you. Um, well, thank you. So another thing I wanted to touch on, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit here. We've got the video, so I'm going to bring up uh, <laughs> this, uh, the scrum on the go board. Yes, sir. The, uh, <laughs> so for us in the project management world, right? Everybody uh, has a good idea of scrum. How did this right. idea come about? You mentioned some partners that you're working with on that to support yeah. this. So, yeah, Beth Davis and John Davis are both Scrum teachers. I got my Scrum master and Scrum, Scrum product. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog. She's really whining here. She but, just uh, wants in on the so, conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she does. Uh, my Scrum product owner certification. I was really brought into Scrum and uh, turned on to it by a friend, and I really started enjoying practicing it at work. I, I started implementing it in, in my Navy work. And another another really good friend of mine was teaching it uh, to his Navy EOD team that he was the commander of. And to see it started 
starting to be used in the military, I was I was really impressed. But then I, I saw that because we were all working in secure spaces, um, it's, you couldn't carry these boards home with all the sticky notes on them. Um, so I, I made a comment to one of my friends. I was like, man, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if, if we could make this a small thing and each person could have their own scrum on, scrum on the go board. And it was all, it's kind of said in jest initially. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, it would be. And guess what? If you could fold it and make it metal, it would be even cooler. And I was like, oh man, I think we might be onto something here. So we, we created the, the scrum on the go board. Uh, we started it like any entrepreneur uh, would uh, with a, with a minimum viable product, the MVP. And uh, like, literally it was, it was like, uh, I bought a, a dry erase board, folded it in half. And I was like, okay, this is the, this, this is the MVP. Let's see if it works. And I started using it around this co-working space where I was working and people started asking me what it was. And I was like, okay, so there's some interest. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's see if, uh, about manufacturing one. So we, we ended up uh, manufacturing a folding metal board um, and then putting stickers with, with the backlog, the do, the doing and done on it. That was our, our second version. And that, that's still available. I have seven of those left still on Etsy uh, for sale because that's, that's where that was the next stage. Okay, okay, let's sell them online. And I sold them on Etsy and you know, was marginally successful with that. And then, uh, and then I had somebody contact us uh, from this company that wanted to make them better by doing away with the stickies, actually printing it, manufacturing it. Um, and they brought us to Amazon. Um, and I'm oh, sorry, the, uh, the friend that I mentioned, uh, at the beginning, Saul, Saul Gomez, he's a retired uh, Navy chief. He's doing phenomenal stuff too, but he's the friend who was just like, Oh yeah, you should do this. And it was all said in jest. And now it's, it's kind of taken off into something that, uh, that I hope becomes even more successful and that all, Project managers and scrum masters, scrum product owners will uh, will all own one at some point. That's kind of my vision. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can say I bought three of them, right? So I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will be your advocate, and I will uh, pitch this for you all day long. I use it for my my businesses, right? To organize my work, um, it it fits in my backpack. Uh, it's very easy to use. We have one. Uh, my son, who I mentioned, right, trying to go into uh, getting ready for the military. He's putting all his activities on there so that he's tracking his work that way. Excellent. And then we have another one that our family's using, right? Just for different things we have, especially four kids at home trying to do school. Uh, My wife and I trying to do our work and trying to take care of things. It just helps you be organized, right? And it's not overburdening. That's good to hear. Yeah. it's, It's not just, I mean, obviously the start of it is the Scrum Project Management tool. But man, right. bring it home. Use it at home. It's, yeah, it's a great tool. It's, it's it's nice to have it handy and always visible, right? So you have it there on your desk uh, right now. And when I when I started marketing it on LinkedIn, I had a lot of people say, "Well, why can't I just use this? Why can't I just create an app that does this or have it on my computer?" Well, that's that's the whole point. Is that if you have it on your computer, if you have it on uh, an app, as soon as you open up your phone, it's going to get lost behind. 35 other apps, or it's going to get lost on your computer behind PowerPoint. Or if you're like us and you're in the military and you have this on your computer, you can't bring it home because it has, because you're working in a secure space. Whereas what you have in front of you there now, Karen, Joe had it a second ago, you can carry that back and forth. Obviously you wouldn't want to write anything classified on it, but you can bring that into secure spaces. You can bring it out of secure spaces. You can use it 
when you're not using your phone. You can use it when you are. You can have it up in front of you, in, in front of your computer, while you have your PowerPoints, while you have your emails and everything else. The work is visible. So that that's the kind of the beauty behind it. And going back to your having three of them, I have I myself have two of them. I have a personal one and a work one. My wife has one. And then even our nanny, uh, when we lived in Virginia, she saw us using one. And she was like, you know what? I, w- I would like one of those. So I made my nanny one too. And, uh, and she's been using it with great success. And, you know, the, uh, the, we talked, man, we talked earlier about project management and mindfulness kind of tying together. This thing also helps you, uh, to, to de-stress and to be mindful about what is going on right now, because it's got the stickies on it that you don't move to the doing column until you're ready to actually work on it. And that makes you be more mindful about actually working on that specific task rather than trying to get 15 tasks all done at once and multitasking and then never actually accomplishing those tasks. The, the Scrum on the board, Scrum on the Go board helps you to focus and get through those tasks kind of one or two at a time. Yeah. And I, you know, there's tools like Trello and all that stuff that you can use yeah. on your machine. But the, what, the reason I love this, um, especially for, um, my son and family type settings is it's so easy to see and the visualization of it and having it in your hand makes it tangible, right? When it's Absolutely. on your phone or on a, a laptop, you could, you see it, right? But you're not, you're not actually picking up the sticky and moving it over. And that makes it right. so much more real. And that's why people have scrum boards, right? In offices, right? right? It's not just on your laptop. It's, it's actually yeah. a board that they have. So I love and, the and fact it's that it's physical. physical. Yeah. Yeah. And there's physiological proof that, you know, actually touching a sticky and moving it from one column to the next, you get that dopamine hit. Whereas on your phone, if you just check it off and say, okay, yeah, it's done, you still get a little bit of dopamine, but tactile, the tactical, tactile sensation of touching that sticky is dramatically more than, than checking something on your phone. And you're less distracted because you, you're not doing it on your phone. Absolutely. You know, we we try to have a, a few veterans on our show every year in, in large part because I am so committed to the veterans um, and well, providing that. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, but serving those who serve us, right, is, is what we all should be practicing. And I always try to get some life lessons from them, right? And and then bring that into my audience, but also into my own life. And And we've had so many that have taught us a bunch of different things, but right. what is, if there's a nugget that you can think back to the training you've received or the, the education you received, what is it that you can bring to the listeners maybe as, as a kind of a golden nugget from John McCaskill of military <laughs> training gave me something that maybe it wouldn't have got otherwise. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to there's, stump you on that one. <laughs> no, no, you, you haven't stumped me. I, uh, I would say that there's a lot of nuggets out there. I'm just trying to think of the golden one. You know, I, I think the nugget, and I don't, I, I don't think this is military specific. I think it's just leadership specific. Is that you should always be learning, learning from the good and the bad examples. So, in my time, 24 years in the military, I, I ran into some phenomenal leaders that I took lessons from and I ran into some, some folks who were, I'll just say less than phenomenal. And with that, I, I always had 
a notebook in my pocket or, you know, uh, in, on my desk. And I would write down little lessons, uh, little what we call after action reports or lessons learned. And I would write these down about what to do from the good leaders and what not to do from the bad leaders. So um, I guess if I had one golden nugget to share, it would be um, have a growth mindset and always be willing to learn from from those around you, whether it's learning what to do or learning what not to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I when I talk project management or do my own webinars or, or, or do coaching, I always bring up the fact that as youth, we're trained, we're coached, we're given leadership. And for some reason, people snap their finger at 18 or 21 and think now you have it. And, and, we, <laughs> and we don't do that anymore. And what I love about the military from all the interaction I have with people through VPMMA and just conversations is they carry that forward, right? You constantly are being trained. You're constantly being coached. You're constantly being led. So that to me is the, is a differentiator, right, between the corporate world and the, the military. And yes, sir. How do we bring that, right? How do we get that back into corporate world, right? How do we let adults know it's okay to have a coach? It's okay to have somebody try to teach you something new. I don't know everything. I'm constantly seeking out guidance. And and to me, that's the strength of the military. A lot of the time we're all reading. We're reading self-help books. We're reading project management books. We're reading leadership books or management books. So why is it okay to read about it, but not learn from the actual, like get the word from the horse's mouth, right? So if you have a coach, I think you're going to get that much more from a coach than you are from a book. And I, I mean, my bookshelves, not now because I'm living in an RV, but my <laughs> bookshelves uh, in, in the house are filled with leadership and management books because I, I enjoy reading that stuff. But then I, I hope that I can teach that stuff to friends, to coworkers, to other leaders, to followers. Uh, I like to think of myself as a mentor. Maybe that's a better way is, is seek a mentor rather than a coach. Because I think people maybe have a, a negative connotation about the word coach uh, or life coach or leadership coach, a mentor. And uh, I, I think everybody needs mentors throughout our lives, no matter where you are, what stage, uh, how old, whatever, you need yeah. mentors. I, I, just, I always joke at, uh, you know, we tell our kids, go practice your instruments, go practice baseball, right? Don't you? So when the time comes for your performance or the time comes for your game, you've practiced it and you're going to do well. Yet I right. never see anybody in a corporate setting practicing. And, and we wonder True. why projects fail half the time. It's because we never <laughs> practice them. We're constantly out there trying to do it without practice. So I, I'm, on, uh, I'm on my uh, leadership horse here of how do we bring practice back into corporate world and learn from our lessons of the youth, right? And, and understand that there's value there. Right. We'll see if I get right. success with that. Who knows? Uh, but but it's uh, that's part of my emp- empowering people to deliver results. Is right is empower them, give them the tools to be successful, and practice is one of those tools. Well, we are uh, oh, absolutely coming up on uh, on the end of our hour here, so wow. this went by super fast. And the other it, thing I want to mention is. is you mentioned books and reading. I just um, we just got Jocko Willink's book on oh, leadership. Yeah. Which one? Uh, oh, geez. It's the got first two. It's got, uh, extreme leadership and the dichotomy of leadership, the, the extreme leadership one. That's the one uh, yeah. I just picked up. 
So I'm yeah. Uh, he and Leigh Sabin did a great job with that one. Just uh, so trying to 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 learn different types of leadership from different experiences and backgrounds. So um, who knows? Maybe we'll get him on the show and he can talk about that book one day as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you get if you get Jocko, you're uh, you're you're getting a, a great guy there. He's got some so many great lessons uh, and and his combat background. Uh, and his corporate side together. I mean, it's a it's a great combination. Well, obviously, I think we had a great combination when with you on the show today. So thank you so much for having us. <laughs> well, right, you, you, you brought uh, knowledge to me and an understanding of something that I, you know, I kind of was aware of, but really never understood. So thank you for that. Uh, is there anything that you have you want to share with the audience of how they can get in touch with you or anything uh, upcoming? Yeah. That would be great. Yes. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, John McCaskill. It's J-O-N-M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L. And there's two of us, but I'm the one Navy SEAL mindfulness guy. Um, and uh, if you wanted to find me on other social media, I'm on um, uh, Instagram as Mindful Frogman. My email is just John, J-O-N, at veteranspath.org. Awesome. Well, thank I'm, I'm kind of glad that we're at the end of this hour because I think my dog's about to freak out. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been, Although this uh, has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you on, uh, John. Thank you so much. And obviously, thank you to all our listeners as well. Please be sure to go out and visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out all of our past shows. And boy, do we have an all-star lineup of guests coming up over the remainder of the year. We have uh, Cindy Dionisio and Mike Griffiths, who are two of the lead authors on Pinbox 7 that's going to be coming out. And that is a uh, earth-shattering, groundbreaking change to the Pinbox. Uh, so you need to get that. Uh, Elizabeth Heron from the UK, Priya Patra from India, Peter Taylor from the UK, Ben Aston from Canada, Jason Westland. Uh, Cornelius Fickner and Kieran Bondale. And then we start next year with our first guest from Africa, Billy Mwapwe from Zambia. Wow. Uh, lots of great guests coming up. And I'm going to find time to fit Jocko in there as well. Uh, so a reminder that these shows are recorded, right? We're live now, but we record these, release them as a podcast. So please subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Of course, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn more about the purpose-driven PMO and all their project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success. Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you.